Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, a show that dedicates itself to the best racket sport in the world. For the most extensive tennis podcast, let's join Ryan Tennyson, Josh Campbell, Joel Fritchie, and your host, Val Febo. After a spate of incidents over the past month, questions are again being raised as to whether Hawkeye should be implemented on clay. This comes after Carolina Pliskova smashed her racket on the umpire's chair in Rome, creating a hole in the side and a media meltdown. This is Breakpoint Podcast. I'm your host, Val Febo. Plenty to get through tonight. Joel Frucci is going to join me to chat about all the tennis news. Carolina Pliskova's angry outburst in Rome last week. Jeannie Bouchard, no longer Canada's number one tennis player. Rome chat, who won, how they won, and what can we expect heading into the French Open, along with rankings and the previews, and along with the longest first name in tennis history. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. And Joel Frucci and I are going to have a crack at pronouncing that. And Joel, uh, that's probably the cue to introduce you. How are you, mate? Yeah, going all right, Val. Going all right. How are you? It's good. Yeah, fantastic. Great to have you back after missing you last week. Joel, uh, Josh, unfortunately, not here, not feeling too well. So we hope you feel better, mate. Uh, and we'll see you next week for our big 100th episode extravaganza. So very excited to get to the triple figures on break point. It's been a long time, hasn't it, Joel? Mm, yeah, I know. I can't believe it. It's sort of been. How long have we been on air for? About 20, uh, 2015, August, we mm. started. So it's been nearly three years, which is, yeah, unbelievable. Who would have thought starting this at uni and now just continuing on with Breakpoint Podcast? But we must get into the agenda tonight. And Carolina Pliskova's angry outburst in Rome last week took center stage in the tennis media and probably overshadowed a lot of the results that, that occurred in Rome. And look, it was. It was quite frightening, really, and I'll, I'll elaborate on the story for you. So she's deep into a third set against Maria Sakkari, the young Greek star, and hit a smash. And the smash was called out by the lineswoman. Now, a blind man could have seen that it was in. <laughs> you could see it on the TV, and the umpire, or the lineswoman's called it out, and Chris, uh, Pliskova has just asked the umpire to come down and check and inspect and expected her to overturn the point and give it to Pliskova. The umpire, whose name is Marta Mrozinska, doesn't know which mark it is. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, you're a professional tennis umpire. You should be knowing this, A. And B, how can you get... I just I don't know how you can get this wrong, but Pliskova, uh, an outburst ensued afterwards, and Pliskova wasn't very happy, as you can imagine, and she even pleaded with Sakari to say, do you know if it was in an... I don't know, Sakari looked like she was walking towards the chair as Pliskova hit the shot. So Sakari obviously assumed that it was in. Uh, Pliskova ended up losing the match, 3-6-6-3-7-5. And after the match, shook hands with Sakari, didn't shake Mrozinska's hand, and instead bludgeoned her racket onto the side of the umpire's chair, creating a hole uh, Sakari was frightened as well. She had to pretty much back off and backed away mm. as Pliskova was doing it. But it was a frightening outburst, and the Italian crowd seemed to seemed to enjoy it. There, there were jeers, there were cheers, there was everything uh, going on. But Joel, now this is the second incident in the space of a month now where an umpire has been threatened. Um, which we're not saying that this should be. This is condoned, but I think the real bigger picture is Hawkeye. Mm. needs to be implemented on clay because the TV broadcasters have it. And I, this talk that the clay shifts the technology in the wind or something like that, there's, there's some, some of those idiosyncrasies I'm not sure of, but I, um, I've heard around the traps that that's why it hasn't been implemented and because you can actually see the ball marks. But there's generally more than one ball mark, isn't there, Joel? 
Yeah, generally there is. Look, first thing I think we need to say is that there's really no excuse at all for what Carolina Pliskova did, regardless of whether the ball was in or out. Um, you, you can't do that. Whether yes, it, probably probably the wrong call by the umpire, or definitely the wrong call by oh, definitely by, by the umpire. <laughs> um, so look, no, you can't you can't carry yourself like that. Um, certainly going and smashing your your racket in, into the chair, you, you can't do that. But look, it's it, it's really isn't it, Val? It's a case of just put out the fire at the source, yeah, and don't let it get to that point. Um, bring in Hawkeye and use the technology. It's there, and I'm the sure broadcasters we'll, have it. Exactly, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute. Um, if a tournament like like Wimbledon can can have this this technology, um, you know, the, probably the most traditional sporting event uh, on earth. I've I've been there, so I know. Just in case anyone didn't realize. <laughs> oh God, um, here we go again. Yeah, um, yeah. It's if they can have it, then I don't see why the French Open can't bring it in or any other clay court uh, tournament uh, for that matter. Um, you know, it it it's 2018. We've got the technology. Let's yeah. use it. I concur 100%. And look, if you, if you think, it'd be, wouldn't it be harder to put the Hawkeye on the grass than the clay? Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, both would be pretty difficult. But yeah. It's so bizarre. that's what I don't understand. It's just it, the technology is there. And look, Hawkeye's not foolproof. It's not 100% accurate. And it's not even, I think it's about 99, 98% accurate. But it's less fallible than humans. Mm. Humans make a lot more mistakes. And look, everybody, everybody makes mistakes. But... This is a mistake that shouldn't be getting made in 2018, as you said. And that's the thing. And we saw with Jared Donaldson last month in Monte Carlo, he looked like he was going to come to blows with the umpire. Mm. And that was quite a frightening incident as well. So uh, very difficult to watch in that situation. And even David Goffin playing Nadal in Monte Carlo last year had Nadal in a tricky situation. And a line call didn't go his way, and that was pretty much it. And I think he only won one more game for the rest of the match. So th- there's been so many incidents over the last few years on the clay, especially on the grass. You know, Victor Troitsky's had his odd meltdown, and but and even on hard court. But it doesn't happen as much in terms of line calls unless a player has run out of challenges. But I, I just think in this day and age, it surely doesn't it have to be looked at. And I know mm. play and. It's even more of a time saver instead of giving, getting the umpire to come down five or six times a set because uh, for some reason clay has different rules where an umpire can actually go down and check more times than when you've challenged. So uh, I think in this day and age, Chol, doesn't it ha- don't the ITF have more things to worry about than what they should do with the Davis Cup <laughs> and implement this these technological changes into these clay court events because they're massive events and to have these controversies marring them um i, I just think it's a, a detriment to to this part of the year this two month three month period of of every season yeah and look i think what's most frustrating about it for me val is that you know this technology that we are, that we are lucky enough to have in tennis the great thing about it is and we can't say this for for all sports the great thing about our corrective technology our review technology it's black and white. It's not grey. So why aren't we using it? I mean, yes, it's not poor, it's not uh, foolproof. As we've seen, technology can can have its errors. Yes, but yeah, the great thing about Hawkeye in tennis, it's in or it's out. I mean, yeah. is, isn't that it really? Yeah, I, uh, it's it's really disappointing, and I think that and it it's marred what what is supposed to be one of the most uh, one of the most looked at or one of the most highly regarded tournaments every season people love going to Rome the players love it the media love it and I think when you've got incidents like this it it 
takes it down a couple of notches, and it was really disappointing to see. And, uh, and moving on, the fine has been distributed to Karolina Pliskova. Her fiancé slash manager, Michelle Herdlichka, has tweeted out saying that Karolina has been fined. It's a four-figure sum. He didn't reveal the actual number, but that fine is expected, and we don't condone anything like that. And look, there were calls for her to be banned from the French Open for the incident. Do you think that's a little extreme? I think a ban is a little extreme, but having said that, I I actually do believe that four figures isn't enough. Yeah, so, especially for especially for a player like Carolina Pliskova, it's 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 not not nearly enough. And I mean, that's not to say you need to be selective about what we find each each individual player. Um, I think if we're if we're serious, we've, we've spoken about this on a previous show. Yeah. if we're going to be serious about um, stamping out that kind of thing towards umpires, those kind of actions, it needs to almost be a blanket thing, um, regardless of. You know, whether you're a junior, whether you're ranked 300 in the world, whether you're ranked two in the world, it needs to be a fair fine um, to be detrimental for everyone. So what do you think the ITF um, has or is more lenient towards bigger players? Um, No, I don't think so. I I don't think so. Um, Why is that? Oh well, I, I think I think it's mainly because we don't really have anything to say that they aren't really. Well, if you look at Nick Kyrgios, yes, he's been banned, but he causes many infractions. Victor Troitsky um, has had his fair share as well. And then you had guys like Andy Roddick, who always used to cause a little bit of a stir. And Marat Safin was always quite fiery. And players only ever escaped with fines. There was never much. But now, as we look into this day and age with players, you know, these bigger players are role models. And, mm. you know, there are... This is the argument for Pliskova to be banned, that... You know, she. I don't think she should be banned because she's not a multiple offender. And I, Kyrgios or Troitsky, I think if you're looking at them, they're multiple offenders, then that might come into the question. But Karolina Pliskova, I think the fine is probably enough, depending on what it was. If it was probably eight, 9000 might have been okay. I think five figures probably would have been more acceptable. But these guys are now role models for children. If children see that, they're going to start thinking that's okay. And that's the mm. argument that I can understand from these people that think that should be she should be banned. But just because of her nature, this is something serious that's happened to her. And she's she's a very she's relaxed. I've not seen her get angry much on, on court. And she's really she's usually that cool, calm, collected customer. So I, I think that's where she should be given some leeway. But on the other hand, some of the repeat offenders are given too much leeway. And that's where the ITF, I think, needs to meet somewhere in the middle, as you said, and blanket it and say, and maybe even give them a strikes policy. If you do it more than once, then you cop a ban or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's not a bad call. I don't think it should be three, though, if we're going to go strikes. I think three, okay. is, three is too many. Too many? too many? Okay. Would you go one or two? Uh, well, if it's one, then it kind of de- yeah, defeats, it defeats the purpose, the purpose really. So one almost, strike policy. It yeah. almost has to be two yeah. in that case. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you do it twice and maybe if, you know they rub off after a certain year and I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of things, you know, we're just sort of spitballing here with what, what could be done. Hmm. But the ITF has a lot more issues to look at instead of, as I said before, the Davis Cup and Fed Cup changes. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, it's got to be something that's going to deter players from doing it in the future. Yeah. Um, it can't just be, you know, something that is... Literally just, a, uh, and for most players, probably just a mosquito in an elephant's ear. It's got to be something really, uh, r- really strong that sends a clear message um, that's literally going to make them sit up um, and take notice. It's almost like it's a red, it's like a red light fine or yeah. a, or a um, I'm not sure if it's still the same, but here in, in Melbourne where we're recording this very podcast, there was a point in time, um, there goes the throat again, Jesus, <laughs> um, where 
if you're caught on your on your mobile phone uh, while you're driving, you'd get get done four hundred and forty dollars. I think it's still the um, same. Yeah, well, if it's still the same, I mean, you get fined that amount of money. You're mm. not going to do it again. Well, pretty much. Some people are stupid enough to do it, and we've seen that on the tennis court with Nick Kyrgios and, and many others. But I think now, do you think someone needs to be made an example of, Joel? If, uh, if the next person to do it is a big name, small name, doesn't matter who, do they need to be the example and the ITF says, look, we're going to stamp down on this, you're banned? Well, you've got to start somewhere, don't you? Yeah, uh, I think so. I don't, I don't care really who it is, even if it's you know Roger Federer. If he smashes, you know, a hole in the in the umpire's chair, well, that, there's, no, there's no place for that in well, tennis. Yeah, well, that would be a statement, wouldn't it? If it yeah. was a, if it was a, a massive, massive name like like uh, Roger or Rafael Nadal or Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Well, then that would, I think that would bring the ITF to actually implement Hawkeye, and that, that's probably the biggest thing. And also, Christina Pliskova, Carolina's twin, has come out and tweeted that uh, I hope this umpire uh, Martina or Marta Mrozinska never umpires a match for me or Carolina again. Hashtag blacklisted. So the fallout hasn't Whack. been the ha- the fallout hasn't been good from this tournament, and both Pliskova sisters are enraged, and um, I'm sure Carolina isn't the only one that feels that way and outraged by it. So, um, And she she put on Instagram the day after with her and her fiancé saying, always got my back, and she must have copped a lot of abuse on social media, but I think a lot of people would have said that, you know, good on her for making a stand, maybe not that aggressively, but good on her for making a stand and, and making it known and bringing into the media again that Hawkeye must be implemented on clay courts because, as you said, Joel, we're in 2018, things need to change. And I, I think that's that's probably, I think that's that's our piece on it. We've been saying mm, it for how yeah. long now? Probably a, a since, since we started the podcast. So, mm. um, yeah, that's, that's that issue done and dusted. Moving on, Jeannie Bouchard, no longer Canada's number one player on in the WTA. Francois Abanda has taken that mantle. Now number one at 125th in the world. Carol Jow, number two, 135. Jeannie comes in at number three, 167th in the world. A long way from her career high ranking of fifth. And look, Joel, it's, it's disappointing for Jeannie considering the talent that she does possess. And it seems as though she's looking more so now at her modeling career and, <laughs> and she's lost a lot of sponsorship, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Babalat haven't, haven't done much. She's not getting paid anything by Nike. Um, Colgate, I think, have rescinded their sponsorship as well of her. So, uh, things are getting serious for Jeannie. She's having to play the French Open qualifying which is a major step down for someone that's played in the semifinals of that tournament. But now she's no longer at the pedigree where she's getting wildcards into tournaments because she's no longer become, or she's not been able to sustain that aura of being a big name. Mm. Well, straight away, you think of Anna Kornikova. I mean, let's but be... Anna Kornikova let's be th- yeah, sustained okay. her form. Yeah, okay. She sustained her form for, for a while, but you, you think of the same kind of storyline. It's a, it's a very similar thing. I mean, yeah... Um, Jeannie got to a point and just has plummeted, really. Um, And it almost just reinforces, really, that, you know, in in this particular sport that when when you when you go down a little bit or when you when you take a bit of a drop then you're in trouble really yeah and um, that that's exactly mm. what's happened and ever since that fall at the US Open in 2015 Eugenie Bouchard has not been the same player yes she won her court case against the USTA but do you blame that as the form slump no because a lot of people have said since then she's not been the same player but I think now she's she's had enough time to to heal from that. And Casey Delacroix had a bit of a fall as well herself, and it took her a long time to come back, but not this long. 
which mm. is the the scary thing for Bouchard. And I, I don't know if her heart is in it. And the thing is, if you're if you're sticking around inside that top 100, you can at least make a decent living. But because she's not, she's actually struggling and have to fight, play ITF events, um, not on the WTA calendar. You're not making as much money, so you can't really sustain a livelihood and. At this stage, she doesn't know what modelling contract she's going to get. You know, the Sports Illustrated swim sh- swimsuit issue wouldn't be a bad payday, but you know that's only what one week a year you're working. So I think Jeannie needs to figure out where she's at and what she wants to do with her career because she is a talent. We know that 2014 definitely showed it, but what can she do to improve? That's the big question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where do you start, really? Yeah. I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, you can make the changes, you know, get a new coach. Um, but look, what what I'm worried about, Val, is that she's so far down in the rankings that it's just, it's so hard to get back from there. It is. It's so hard to get back. So I'm I'm really not convinced that whatever she does, I mean, it's going to take a, a lot of work to get back up to where she was because even if she sorts certain things out, it's still going to take her a lot of effort to get back up. Yeah. Um, it's... It's almost it's sad in a lot of ways, but yeah. Well, her last yeah. Grand Slam quarterfinal was at the 2015 Australian Open, so it's been a Three long years ago. it's been a long time for Eugenie Bouchard, and her year of 2014 seems so so far in the distance now that it's her career is at a different path now and at a different point. So she's got a lot of work to do, definitely. And just a quick one, Francois Abanda, the new Canadian number one, has it's quite a sad story, really. She's come out and launched and said that she won't be treated the same as Eugenie Bouchard because of her skin colour. Um, and I, I think that's quite sad because uh, no matter who you are and where you're ranked, I, I think you should be treated, and especially for the number one player in a country. Uh, I, I think she's got a lot of pedigree. She's only 21 years old and she's ne- nearly inside the top 100. So I hope for Abanda's sake that she does get treated as well as Eugenie Bouchard did as Canada's number one. Yeah, well, you've got to hope so. But I mean, really, if you think about it, is she wrong? No, because you, you don't hear much about her. So yeah, you don't. You that, don't. That's the thing. I think that she's brought it to light now, and I hope that I hope that people do react and say, "Okay, look, we were wrong here, and we're going to acknowledge your talent as a 21 year old looking to ply herself on the tour and ply her trade." And yeah, fingers crossed that she actually can do well and, and entrench herself inside that top echelon of women's tennis. Joel, and quickly before we move on, Rafa continuing his strong form, defeating Alexander Zverev six one one six six three to win his eighth Rome title, thirty second Masters one thousand title, and seventy eighth <laughs> career title overall. Drop sets to Fonini and Zverev throughout the tournament, and actually was in a bit of a pickle. Lost nine of I think twelve or eleven games against Zverev. Was down three one. In that third set, won five games in a row to finish the match off. And, geez, if Zverev can translate this form into Grand Slam form, I saw a meme during the week, and I know you're not a big fan of the Royals, and (laughs) I didn't watch the Royal Wedding myself, but I saw a meme of uh, Meghan Markle in her wedding gown and wedding dress looking fantastic, saying this is the depiction of Alexander Zverev at Grand Slams. Then I saw another photo of Meghan Markle at Buckingham Palace 15 years ago when she was a tourist and um, not a princess yet and saying this is the depiction of Alexander Zverev at Grand Slams. So Masters 1000 <laughs> is her at, uh, at at the Royal Wedding. Grand Slams is her 15 years ago, not a princess, irrelevant, before suits and everything. So I thought it was quite a good meme and quite a creative one. I laughed a lot when I did see it and it's true. That's the thing. Zverev has only ever made the fourth round at a Grand Slam. And he's made three of the four, three of the last four Masters 1000 finals, had a chance to defeat Rafael Nadal in Rome. 
The kid's got everything. It's whether he can translate this now at the French Open. He'll be seated second. He won't play anyone higher than him up until the final. But do you have the confidence in him to actually mm. say, look, I think you're going to go deep? Because his Australian Open performance was way less than convincing. Yeah. Um, I'm still a bit sceptical, Val. I'm just going to be... Gonna yeah, be totally fair enough. Honest. Yeah, I, I still am. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's only going to take one one performance for that to, to change um, on a reasonably big stage. I, I just I still have my concerns about Alex Berov um, over the distance. I, th- yep. I think that's that, that's where uh, that's where I get worried about him because um, I still, best of three is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, I still don't I still don't really think he's got uh, if we want to call it a tank. I don't really think he's got the got the tank or the necessarily the mindset to yep. to go all, all that way. And I think we we saw that at the Australian Open against uh, Hyun Chung. So. Um, look, to be honest, though, I, I, I really do hope that that, that changes soon. I um, mean, we, we did our uh, our future tens, if we want to call it that. A couple we, of weeks ago, yeah. We both had Alex Varev as, as, as world number one in five years' time. So it's it's pretty clear what we think of him, what everyone thinks of him. It's really just only a matter of time until we see him come good at Grand Slam level and, we, and he finally ticks that box. And then I think after that happens, and, you know, I think... Bob's your uncle. He's going to just keep yeah. keep winning and winning. Well, that's the thing. It's only a matter of time with Zverev, and he's still got time on his side. He's only 21 years old. Just quickly, Novak Djokovic, what did you make of his performance in Rome? Semi-finals. Um, pushed Rafa in that first set. Lost 7-6, 6-3, but that first set was 72 minutes long. So mm. it was it was almost a vintage Djokovic. I don't think he's there yet, and as I've said, I don't think he's ever going to get really back to his best, but what did you make of the performance? Well, if you know that, you've got to be pleased with it. Yeah. Um, certainly. Um, you know, given all the all the stuff that has happened with his body. Uh yeah, it's it, look, it's gonna be step by step and we know that he's had he's had um peaks and troughs in the last uh sort of five months or so this season. Yeah. Um so I guess I'm not I'm not really I'm not well, not not to say that I'm not reading into it too much, but um I'm certainly not gonna get overexcited by it, is I guess yeah. what I'm saying. Um Fair enough. Though. Yeah, look, it's it's actually good to see him sort of start putting some uh, some momentum together. Certainly leading up to a Grand Slam, but I'm just not I'm not really convinced yet um, that you know it's going to be sustained by him, um, just given the type of injury that's well, uh, that he's gone through. Well, now the seeding for the French Open is interesting. He slips out of the top twenty for the first time since October 2006 when he went in. Jeez. Roger and Rafa one and two. When he slipped out, Roger and Rafa one and two. So <laughs> again, as I said last week, the, the longevity of those two is just superb. But now he'll only get a seeding that gives him protected ranking until the third round. He could face a Rafael Nadal and Alexander Zverev in the third round of the French Open, which would be an utter disaster for Djokovic. And that's the worry now in terms of getting his ranking back. He's in trouble. And depending on where he is, yes, he's a dangerous floater, but I still could see him losing even earlier than that because if he gets pushed to five by someone who's just playing wonderful tennis on the day, um, he could be in trouble. I, re- I really genuinely think so. So it's a bit of a watch this space again with Novak Djokovic, but we'll find out where he lies on Friday in the French Open draw. Uh, and just quickly, Alina Svitolina won her 12th career title, uh, defending her Rome crown with a 6-4, 6-love win over Simona Halep in a repeat of last year's final. We all picked that last week. So plenty more still to come on Breakpoint. Joel, we've got our rankings, we've got our tipping competition and where the results uh, from last week have left us and our picks. We've got our previews coming up for Geneva, Lyon, Nuremberg, Strasbourg, French Open qualifying has started. We'll run through where all the Aussies are and the longest name in tennis history. Or we think so anyway. We're going to have a crack at pronouncing it. So stick around on Breakpoint Podcast. You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast. Remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world. 
We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Bebo and Joel Frucci here taking you through all of the latest tennis news from the past week. We've done our news and now it's time for the rankings, Joel. There's been a few changes around, especially in the men's top 10. So far away with uh, what's happened there. Yeah, so uh, Rafael Nadal back up to world number one for the time being, or certainly for probably the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, Val's crying. Roger Federer down one to two. Uh, in three, Alex Verev. Uh, four, Marin Cilic up one. Down one is Grigor Dimitrov to five. One, Martin Del Potro six. Dominic Team seven. Kevin Anderson eight. David Goffin up one to nine. And big John Isner down one to ten. Thank you, Joel. The Australians, Nick Kyrgios up two to 23. John Millman at 58 remains unchanged. Matt Ebden up 12 to 73 after winning the Busan Challenger last week. Jordan Thompson up three to 85. Alex Diminor unchanged at 106. Tanasi Kokonakis up three to 148. Jason Kubler up three to 160. Mark Polman's down five to 176. Alex Bolt down six to 178. And John Patrick Smith up three to 197th in the world. And risers and sliders, Joel, who your riser of the week? Uh, Denis Shapovalov. Yes. Up 3 to 26. Uh, unfortunately for him, ran into Rafael Nadal in Rome. You so. know what? He played bloody well, though. Yeah. and He yet played well. Yet he still lost 6 one six four. Yeah, but so. he's, a, he's a gun. Oh, he I, I a gun. love watching this kid he is a gun. He's a superstar. He is a gun. And speaking of our uh, future tens, he will certainly be in there. Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's figured in both of our top tens. So, um, no, nah, he's a superstar and we can't, want to wait, uh, we can't wait to watch him grow and rise on the tour. Mine is Diego Schwartzman up 3-12, to 12, uh, edging ever closer to the top ten. He's had a very good year. He flies under the radar so well, mainly because he's probably five foot seven. But um, <laughs> he's a very good player and he's a dogged competitor and we love watching Diego play. So, fantastic stuff for him. Who's your slider, Joel? Uh, just to toy with you, Val. I've got Roger Federer down one. Moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Roger's down one to two, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, mine is Milos Raonic down six to 28th in the world. So just injuries toying with him. He's actually not playing the French Open. He's pulled out. So disappointing stuff so far this season for Milos with injury. It's disappointing because he is a talent and we, um, yeah, he's, he's a very good competitor, especially when it gets the grass court season. So hopefully Milos can get back and play the tennis that we know he can play. Who's the WTA top 10 again? The same since February, but there has been one change. Yeah, or one, cha- one change or two, depending on how you want to look at it. But Simona Halep is still uh, up the top of the tree, followed by Caroline Wozniacki. Gabinia Muguruza is three. Alina Svitolina, four. Yelena Ostapenko up one to five. Uh, Carolina Pliskova down one to six as Val Waxy's mic or whatever it is there. Uh, Caroline Garcia, seven. Venus Williams, eight. Sloane Stevens nine. And Petra Kvitova rounds out the top 10. Yeah, I should know where my hands are going. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's right in front of me. How, how I missed it, I don't quite know. But uh, the Aussies, Barty up 1-17. to 17. Daria Gavrilova at 24th unchanged. Sam Stozer also unchanged at 60. Isla Tomjanovic up 1-68. to 68. Arena Rodionova also up 3-124. to 124. Olivia Rogovska down 1-154. to 154th. Lizette Cabrera up 1-157. to 157. Priscilla Hon up 3 to 183rd in the world. That's a career-high ranking for her. Destiny Ayava down 11 to 196th. And Jamie Fallis just continues her good performances, uh, getting to the semifinals at an ITF event in France, up 13 to 211th in the world. So almost in the top 200. She's a wonderful player, and she's going to be a star of the future, Jamie Fallis. Your riser of the week, Joel. 
Uh, my riser is Maria Sakari, who's up three to thirty nine, and of course was uh, involved in that uh, little fracas with uh, with Carolina yeah. Pliskova. Well, if you haven't seen the footage, watch Sakari back off when Pliskova hits the umpire's chair. It is very funny footage, and more so she was just really frightened. But yeah, scary stuff there when you're involved in yeah. something like that. Uh, mine is Danielle Collins, up three to forty fourth. Was well, she was in obscurity before Indian Wells and Miami had two good performances there, and she's got herself into the top 50. So phenomenal stuff from the American there. Your slider of the week, Joel. Yeah, my slider is Tamir Bashinsky, who's down 8 to 63. And I guess that's just a real unfortunate one with injuries. Just yeah. kind of taking a toll on her, yeah, really. Form and injuries have hurt, definitely. She's a long way off the top 10 spot where she was a couple of years ago. And even, I think, towards the end or beginning of last year. Mine is Kiki Burton's down 3 to 18. Not so much for the slide, but more so she slipped out of that top 16 seeding for the French Open. And that would have been good for her to have the protected ranking. Very good form mm. on the clay. So disappointing for her, but um, I think... Uh, with her form and the way the quality that she possesses on on the red dirt, I think she'll be fine at the French Open either way, unless she does get someone like a Halep in the third round. The uh, tipping competition, Joel. Just before we move to our next segment, uh, last week I was up by four on you. I've extended that to five because I had a clean sweep. Pick Nadal over Zverev and Svitolina over Halep in Rome. You picked Chilich, and as did Josh. So I've moved one ahead of the two of you. So I'm on fifty-two. Joel forty-seven. Josh thirty-eight. Ryan Lang wishing on 21 but he hasn't sent his picks through in a few weeks so um i think <laughs> i think he's pretty much done um but fantastic stuff thank you joel and we'll move on we've got our previews coming up next along with we've kept teasing it but it's exciting the longest name in tennis history we're gonna have a crack at pronouncing that up next on breakpoint you're listening to breakpoint podcast remember to tune in every week on Wooshka as we update you with the best tennis news in the world we're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, and Facebook Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Keep listening as we discuss the rest of the tennis news. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Val Ferbo and Joel Frucci here with you. It's time to go through to the previews of this week. There's four tournaments, two ATP, two WTA. We'll start in Geneva in Switzerland where Sam Querrey is the number one seed on the men's side and Fabio Fornini, the number two seed. Vavrinka, the third seed in his second tournament back. He's the two-time defending champ. David Ferrer, fourth. Albert Ramos, Vinulis, five. Steve Johnson, six. Andre Seppi, seven. Misha Zverev was eight, but fell to Mirsa Basic. Five seven six three six four. Who's your pick for this tournament, Joel? It's a fairly wide, not wide open, but mm. it's one of these tournaments where I think an obscure player would win because it's a lead up to the French. The big guns don't really want to do too well and, and hamper their preparations for the second major of the year. Yeah, well, all these tournaments that we're about to preview are pretty tough to pick, but in mm. this one, I've gone for a I've gone for a boring one v two final. All right. But I've got number two winning, Fabio Fonini. Fabio Fonini. Fantastic. The yo-yo Italian. Oh, we love him. We love him. Apparently, he's a lovely guy, so that's always good to hear, isn't it? So, mm. I love Fabio. Uh, my pick is David Ferrer over Steve Johnson in the final. I think this is the tournament that David Ferrer would just love to win and just get his confidence up for the French. We know he can just run all day. So, uh, fingers crossed for him. I hope he can get up. In Lyon now, Dominic Team, the top seed, is in the second. Jack Sock, third. Hyun Chung was the number four seed, but he pulled out before the tournament with an ankle injury. Adrian Manorino was Five lots to Guillermo Garcia Lopez, 634661. Gal- <laughs> you really hate him, don't you? Um, Gail Monfils, six, lost to Maxi- Maximilian Matera, 266464. Six, Jao Sousa was seven, lost to Philip Horansky. 
Slovakian 6-4-3-6-6-4. John Millman was supposed to be eight, but pulled out before the tournament with a hip injury. And I don't blame Johnny with his history of injuries. Um, we just hope he can get himself on the court for the French Open. Who's you, uh, and, and Matt Ebden also played this tournament, lost to Taylor Fritz, 6-4-6-2. So who's your pick here, Joel? I have Dominic Team yeah. winning easily. Yeah. Um, I've got Mikhail Kukushkin making the final. Kukushkin? Yeah. The Kazakh? Yes. Really? That's an interesting Borat's pick. Borat's friend, yes. Yeah. Oh, we love Borat on this show. Well, I certainly do. Um, mine's <laughs> team over Gilles Simon in the final. I think Simon is a good clay quarter and he's a, a dogged competitor like David Ferrer. So I think he'll he'll do all right this week. WTA now in Nuremberg and Sloane Stephens, the top C. Julia Georges second. Kiki Burton's third. Jung Shui was four, but fell to Fanny Stoller, 6-2, Arena Camelia Begu was five, lost to Johanna La. And who's good on clay, 6-4, 3-all, but retired with an injury in the second set. Serana Sosteya, 6, Alison Van Wietvank lost to Kirsten Flipkin, 7-6, 2-6, Katarina Siniakova fell to Christina Pliskova, 6 2 six, seven, seven, six. So who's your pick for this tournament, Joel? Fairly open, but... Yeah, uh, KK Burton's winning. Mm-hmm. And pulling out some... I'm just going to pull out some uh, obscure Another names. Another obscure name. I've got uh, Roig. Veronica Sepedi Roig. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. The Paraguayan. Not a bad little player. So fingers crossed. Well, actually, no, I don't hope you're right because I've got a different, <laughs> I've got a different finalist. Uh, mine's Kiki Burton's over Johanna Larson in the final. But who knows? Larson, I've picked her a few times and she's done very poorly. So not a good luck charm for me anyways. But in the WTA event in Strasbourg, uh, Ash Barty, the number one seed, Dara Gavrilova too. So Aussies at one and two. Fantastic stuff to see there. Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova third. Mihaila Buzanescu fourth. Dominika Sibulkova five. Uh, Tamia Babos was six, but fell to Zarina Diaz. 764662. So we're one of the Kazakhs, so doing quite well. Danielle Collins was seven. She was my riser of the week, but fell to Chiang Wang. 467562 and Sue Shea, the number eight seed. Stoza is still in this tournament. She's the defending champ, plays Dara Gavrilova tonight in a repeat of last year's final. Uh, who do you think wins this tournament, Joel? Ash Barty. Ash Barty, okay, on the clay? Yep, over uh, Dominika Sibilkova. All right, that's an interesting pick. I've got Dasha, so I've got an Aussie. Um, I'm regretting picking it, though. I, I don't know <laughs> why. But I've got her beating uh, Pavlachenkova in the final. I think Pavlachenkova needs to make a stand and and uh, have a crack at, at winning another title, and she's definitely got the talent to do so. Just quickly, a French Open qualifying rundown in terms of Australians, how they're all placed. The men have all played their first round. Women are all scheduled to go on tonight. Alex Bolt defeated by Tobias Kamke, 6-2, 6-4. Akira Santillan defeated Gosaida of Japan, 6 Two six two plays Alexandre Muller next to France. Kokonakis defeated Jamie Floyd uh, Angela six one six two uh, six one six six three six one. We'll play Jurgen Zop the twenty fourth seed next. Mark Polman's defeated by Uladzmir Ignatic of Belarus five seven seven six six two. John Patrick Smith defeated by Corentin Denoli of France six three four six six four. Bernard Tomic defeated Darian King seven six six love and Jason Kubler defeated by Portugal's Gonzalo Oliveira six two. 7-5. Olivia Rogowska, the only Aussie female to have played so far. She's to finish her match tonight with Katinka von Dieschmann of Liechtenstein. Now, Liechtenstein. fun fact about Katinka, she's the only Liechtensteiner ranked on both the WTA and ATP tours. So, oh. fantastic. I love those stories, and it's great to see someone from a little-known nation and a tiny nation at that. Um, in Liechtenstein, it's one. Of, I think it's one of the smallest nations in the world. Mm. So fantastic stuff from her. It's uh, seven five six seven one two on serve in the third. So Rogowska will come out tonight and serve to try and level that up in the third. I had a wonderful schnitzel in Liechtenstein a couple of years ago. Did you go? Yep. All right. How was it? Um, 
It was a lot like Switzerland. Um, yeah. no, but well, it, they border, so don't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Well, it's basically Switzerland. Um, <laughs> yeah, and no, I stopped over on a on a bus trip through Europe. Um, oh, fantastic! And, uh, yeah, it was a very good uh, schnitzel and chips. Oh, I don't you, know what the place is called, but I recommend it. Yeah, well, that that helps. It definitely helps. If you can remember the place, bring it back next week, and we'll and we'll discuss more about Liechtenstein. Oh, it's a pretty small place. There yeah, couldn't be too many. The Liechtensteiner cuisine, but uh, now. We've teased this the whole show. <laughs> oh, this is not going to go well. Now, a young American from Hawaii, 17-year-old, in her first ITF event this week in Florida. She takes on Brazilian Alice Garcia, but her first name is longer than the alphabet. And we know our legendary names of the Thai, the well-known Thai players of Wishaya Trongcharongchakul and Kittipong Wachiramanawong <laughs> and also Valentini Gremitakopoulou, the young Greek player on the uh, WTA at the moment. But this one trumps them all. And also Jose Hernandez-Fernandez. Don't forget him from the Dominican Republic. We love him. But I'm going to spell this out for you first. Oh, God. So it's longer than the alphabet, 28 letters. K-A-H-E-A. O K A L E O N A H E N A H E M A I K A L A N I and her last name is Companion. So thank God that's not her last name because imagine mm. commentating that. You'd almost call her KC. Imagine the scoreboard. Oh, the scoreboard wouldn't have enough room, but it would, it would be K Companion. So that helps. So thank God mm. they don't have to put the first names on there because that is that is so long. But do you want to have a crack at pronouncing this, Joel? All right, let's go. go. Um, Nahasa Pima. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to say a prayer's name. This is not um, the Simpsons show. All right, okay, okay. Uh, K, oh my God, this is going to be tough. Did you write it out phonetically? <laughs> no. I've done that. Oh. So I've uh, got it here, thank God. I Ka- practiced. Kahia Okaliona Malakayani. Oh, this has not gone wrong. <laughs> I've got a Kahia Okaliona Hina Hemai Kalani. That was that was actually I've been practicing it all day and I nailed it the time that I had to nail it. Do you uh, want to have another crack? No. You don't? Alright. <laughs> no. I'm I'm happy. Kahia Okaliona Hina Hemai Kalani. I've done it. And that's probably so far away from how you're supposed to pronounce it. But you know what? We're gonna track her down and we're gonna get her on this show and she's gonna tell us exactly how you pronounce this name. Because I want to know, I want to know it before everybody else does, and we want to be her official sponsor on oh, <laughs> on gosh. the WTA tour. She's 17, so good luck to her this week, and uh, fantastic stuff to see someone from Hawaii. There haven't been many tennis players from Hawaii. I think there's a golfer that I know of, but great to see the young 17 year old uh, playing well. So, Kay Companion, <laughs> good stuff. I've I'm got not- uh, I've got some potential sponsors sponsors for her. Yeah, who? Oh, like Alphabet Soup and uh, <laughs> and the, the um, Alphabets. The, the cereal, uh, yeah, and the the uh, thesaurus, yeah, um, Oxford Dictionary. I'm Doctor Roche, Do- Roche's <laughs> thesaurus. Um, yeah, the dictionary. <laughs> oh, um, bloody hell! Yeah, there's there's a lot that we could that we could uh, that we could reel off. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, no, I like alphabet soup. Let's yeah, alphabet, alphabet soup. soup, fantastic stuff. And uh, yeah, that's about all we've got for Breakpoint today. So thank you very much, Joel. I'm just going to go eat some alphabet soup now. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to. You butchered that pronunciation. <laughs> Remember to follow us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, Facebook like us Breakpoint or at Breakpoint One. Remember follow us and subscribe on Wooshka. That's where all our shows go up, and you can subscribe on iTunes as well. I'm Val Febo. This is Breakpoint Podcast. Hope everybody has a lovely day and a lovely week.